Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the VSuit podcast, the audio-only virtualization podcast that takes fact and fun, shakes them well over ice and serves with a twist of sarcasm. Joining us tonight is an old friend of the show for a little bit of a talkback. On a previous show, I joked about a series of blog posts so long it would need a blog of its own to describe reading it. To tell us a little bit more about his epic journey and other adventures, it's Mike Laverick. Hi, Mike. Hi there. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Oh, it's always uh, always nice to talk to you. Um, it's been, been a while. You've, you've been up to all sorts of fun and games uh, since you were last on the show, uh, including a, a change of employer. Yeah, I joined uh, VMware in August of, of last year, and uh, I've been on this epic journey journal, as you were calling it a while back, uh, teasing me mercilessly for the length of all these blog posts. <laughs> I felt I felt I should I should have an opportunity to get back and you know sort of defend myself from this accus- accusation, you know. <laughs> of, of course, I mean, I, I wondered sort of in in another life, um, would this have been a book? Um, that this was, you know, you're almost rather than just writing out the chapters as you were doing it, you were just putting it into blog form and in a somewhat more organic fashion than a published material. Yeah, I guess so. Um, when I joined VMware, we kind of had a, an agreement to have a bit of a monitorium on on the book writing side of things. Yeah, and as as this series on vCloud Director became longer and longer, I said to my boss, "You do realise that I'm actually writing a book." through the medium of blog here, <laughs> which I'm not sure whether he, he thought that was funny or not, but I thought it was funny, you know, because I, I, didn't, I didn't think it would be as long as this particular series has been. And I guess when you're writing um, a blog format, you don't write something that's 50 pages or 60 pages in length. Nobody's going to sit and read, you know, a blog post that just goes on into infinity. So you have no choice but to take the content and dice it and splice it into smaller chunks that people find a little bit more easier to to read, but also, I guess, easier for Google to kind of do their magic in terms of, you know, indexing and spidering. Yeah, I mean, does it, they? I've had a, a quick uh, quick read through today, just before the call, and you know, they are nice, discrete chunks of uh, chunks of content. Um, and you know there are lots of published books that are basically just a you know a blog post in printed a blog uh, in printed format. Um, in fact, there's uh, one I've been recently reading of a guy uh, who decided to write a book uh, solely on his commute to work every morning. Um, started off as an argument between a few people, uh, saying that you know um, whilst they were asleep on the train from Tunbridge Wells into London. Uh, that they were getting nothing done and that there was so many more productive things you could do with that 40 minutes every morning. And as a challenge, he decided to write a book solely during that 40-minute commute. So was he using a pen and paper on the train? Wasn't it? I believe he used an iPad. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say his manuscript might look a bit like wobbling if if you're actually (laughs) writing on the train. But yeah, I I think um, the idea of the the series was to openly and honestly admit that I'd really done nothing of any substantial nature with any of the kind of cloud products. And I think it's still a process that's going on now, to be honest with you. I'm still in the learning curve of learning about what it is that we do on the cloud side of things. Because if you remember, before I joined VMware... um, I guess the platform, vSphere, was the main thing I did, SRM, and a little bit of end-using computing with, with Vue was my main specialisms. And apart from a very, you know, 
short uh, article about how to install vCloud Director 1.0. I've not touched it since then. So I thought it was a be it would be a bit of a a sham, a bit of a impossible task to say, oh look, I'm now the expert on on everything cloud, given that everybody knows what my background is. And it'd be more interesting to sort of do a kind of journal where I honestly admitted, you know, I, I screwed up this thing, I made this thing wrong and you know, um, I've had to go back and undo some configuration because I misunderstood something and just try and be a bit more open handed about that learning process rather than trying to pretend that you you know it all. And it's kind of cool. Other people can kind of find the same pitfalls as you and yeah. uh, work in that direction as well. So that helps. Yeah, and for me, it kind of takes me back to where I was with uh, RTFM, you know, because a lot of the RTFM stuff was me doing stuff, getting it wrong, sharing that with people, and people saying, oh, yeah, I, I made the same mistake. Or, you know what, the, the one of the most popular downloads from RTFM was um, a guide on the service console, and the main reason people downloaded that was for all those people who blew away the VM NIC Zero from the standard switch and couldn't speak to their <laughs> ESX host anymore. And without fail, that was the most common reason people went for it, and it just so happened that, you know, um, that that's also you know uh, what I came up with. So I've tried to read a lot of the content in my own personal experiences and and try to be honest where I make a mistake, you know, and it's my fault that something's gone horribly wrong. Rather than try and pretend that you know uh, I'm just a font of all human knowledge on a particular subject because everybody would see through that straight away. Did you? I mean, you talked about the uh, the journey being ongoing. Was it sort of organic to the extent of, you know, by the time you got to a certain point, the product had actually evolved, so uh, evolved to a next, a next version or a, next, or a new feature release, and you had to kind of go back and revisit it, um, which potentially would then have ramifications for the rest of the journey? No, I, in all honesty, because the last uh, touch I had of it was with 1.0, the, the next time I touched upon it was with the 5.1 release. So a lot of the limitations or things that weren't present in 5.0 or 1.5, I honestly didn't care about. I took the product as it was when I installed it on the day, you know, that the that the 5.0 release came out, and then quickly upon that, actually get that right, the 5.1 version came out. So it, it was very much uh, an experience written from the perspective of the the latest release. And where that's changing is obviously we've got. A new release coming out in you know uh, in in the future, um, yep. and I'm already sort of looking at that. Where where it's become helpful is, you know, where it's like when you've had experience with a product previously, a new version comes out, you can spot the differences much more because you've got something to refer to. Whereas to be honest with you, I had no real background in vCloud Director when I got hold of the 5.1 release to really compare it to what it was like beforehand. Okay. And was it um, again? I've last time I willingly touched vCloud Director. I think was at the the hands-on labs in Copenhagen, two thousand and ten, um, and yeah, I thought it was all right, but never really had any reason to go back to it. Would you say it was so different that you might as well just consider it a completely different product altogether? I don't know whether I'd go as far as that. Um... Certainly, I mean, I think some of the integration into um, VShield Edge, the Edge Gateway, is perhaps substantially improved compared on, on previous releases. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a difficult question to, for me to answer because I don't have much experience of the product prior to the 5.1 release to go, oh yeah, and you know, after the 5.0 release, release came out, I knew I had to get involved with this product. Uh, it wasn't like that at all, really. In fact, the real uh, spur of it was getting the job with VMware, you know, because as the cloud infrastructure evangelist, I thought it might be a good idea to know something about the cloud products. You, you think <laughs> that would help credibility? Yeah, I thought it might, you know, uh, you know, rather than just you know, being slideware and, you know, stuff that you can download from our internal intranet. The, I said to my, my, my boss when I first got on, you know, I've got to get involved in the technology, installing it and using it because that naturally creates content for you because you do something and you learn something. You therefore share it with people. So, I mean, one of, one of the agendas behind my particular role is helping community, helping people who are new to some of these technologies get on board. And part of the an analogy I was using for that is alongside some others who you know, we all know the, the big names in the community like Scott Law and others um, who have helped people who you know, maybe can't afford to go on a training course through a blog post or through a book learn something about the technology. So I, I kind of feel what I'm doing is what I used to do for something like vSphere or I used to do for SRM or Vue, and I just do that for the cloud technologies. I, I guess the big difference is, is that we've got more than one of these things. We've got vCloud Director, we've got... Uh, orchestration tools that plug into the cloud layer. We've got the cloud automation center. So it's not it's not like cloud equals one product in the way that DR equals SRM and, and VR or virtual desktops equals view. There's 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 a, a collection of products I think that I need to be familiar with, and that's why in the last couple of months I've I've decided that I've done as much as I can with the cloud director apart from going through every single widget and option and tick-off box, which might be a bit excessive, to, to look at the Cloud Automation Center as well. So I've kind of opened that as a, a new chapter in the journal. It's funny how I'm using the word chapter in your question about books there, but I couldn't think of any other way of sort of breaking it up. I did actually think of just stopping the the series and saying, well, that was the journal about vCloud Director. Here's a new journal about vCloud Automation Center. But I decided to... Being lazy, I just keep on adding another part to each of the series. And talking but, about automation, have you played around with Puppet at all? I haven't, actually. It's funny you mentioned that. One of my colleagues um, is at a VMUG in London in a couple of weeks' time, and he's he's speaking about Puppet. Unfortunately, I can't be at his session because I'm, I'm somewhere else. I have to sort of arrange him to, to cover me at some events in the UK that I can't do just on my own. But um, I think many main reason he wants to talk about it is just you know to explain that you know VMware is actually invested in in Puppet. You you guys probably know more about this than I do. Some you know thirty odd million dollars in into Puppet. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 it's not something that I've touched upon, but it's something that I know eventually I'll have to come to. I should uh, pick up some of our uh, our chats with uh, Nick Weaver. Um, previously, uh, and learn about Puppet is learning how to put your hat on and remember your pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you tell me, how, where, where does Puppet fit? I mean, is it is it like a scripting engine tool like PowerCLI is, or is it more an orchestration tool like VMware Orchestrator is? Well, I played around with Puppet a good deal after I talked to Nick and kind of caught the bug from it. Um, there are specific plugins to VMware, right? And I mean, it works, for me, it works better with, with Linux-based stuff. 
but it plugs in now I would say primitively to VMware products and uh, you can do a certain amount with it. I think in the future it'll go a lot further. Like yeah, I, 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 would, so. I wouldn't be surprised if the community and also VMware employees themselves start writing plugins directly into Puppet. Because I understand you can sort of snap plugins in on the kind of community source, don't they? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, it's it's all about community. It's open, complete open source. So uh, I hope that it can fit more in the future. But from what I've seen so far, it's really great stuff. But going back to the, the, the kind of reason I wanted to get on the post is, is that I, onto the podcast was, um, it was kind of suggested, um, that because there was 68 posts on vCloud directory, it must be a really complicated product, which I thought was an amusing kind of way of looking at what I was up to. But I mean, what, what gave that impression just because somebody writes a lot of posts that it's, that, that means the technology must be complicated. Yeah, I think it's you know the initial concept that if it took you sixty eight blogs to get installed, then it's actually going to be quite a, an in depth product. Um, perhaps with a, a steeper learning curve than people would expect with you know to the traditional uh, vSphere layer of stuff, which I think has got quite a, a good learning curve. It's very very easy to get on board with it. Yeah, you have to go in a bit deeper if you really want to get underneath the covers, but you can pick up the basics of what you need to know to deploy, operate, and use it quite easily. Sure. I've got, I've got Cloud Director, the, the, um, particularly, I'm guessing from the network point of view, people are going to find a few more speed bumps in it. Yeah, I think there's a couple of points to be said about that. First of all, I think I only actually wrote one post about the installation. The rest is all about the post configuration and how to get the most out of the, the product. Um, yeah. And I, I would say, yes, anybody who's tried installing vCloud Directory, it's not a walk in the park. And that's why I recommended to people to take the route I took initially, which was use the appliance in my lab environment. And then I worried about the install and multiple cells and load balances and certificates until the very end of the, the whole series. So I thought, well, I, I've done everything I can with the actual technology once it's stood up. I should actually do an installation at least once and, you know, set up a load balancer with it, get the certificates working, get it published on the internet through, you know, public IPs. So I've at least done what would be regarded as a production build. But a lot of it was actually, you asked about the structure of vCloud Directory. It was actually dictated by that eight or nine step wizard that sort of guides you through the product. Yep. What's interesting about that is something like step four is where you create an organization. And just that wizard alone has about five or six different paths down it. So from a documentation perspective, if when you click next, you have two choices, A and B, and A gives you another two choices, and B gives you another two choices, and then those um, C and D, if you like, split off into another set of choices, it's like, God, how, how do I write all the possibilities of that configuration down? But I've got, a, I've got a bit of an anecdote which you guys might like. And I, I said to, I was with Scott Lowe in Milan earlier this year for the Italian VMUD. And um, we were having this debate about, you know, is, is, is vCloud Director too complicated? And I, I, said to, I said to Scott, I said, you know, one person's complicatedness is another person's sophisticatedness. And I've, I've certainly played with products that offer no choice and no flexibility whatsoever. And they're very, very simple and easy to learn. 
but you can't do much with them. <laughs> and oddly enough, the more choice and flexibility you have, the more complicated something becomes. So I think there's always a trade-off between the two of them. What, what I found in my journey is, I think after about week three or four, I had my first week where I didn't go into Virtual Center or vSphere at all. And I got to the end of the week and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I've not loaded up Virtual Center all week. Um, this is becoming my world, my, my view on things, my perspective on things. And that, that process of going, now where did I change that setting? I would, in the early days, spend two or three minutes trying to find it. I was like, yeah, click here, click here, down here, across here, there it is. And it's just familiarity. So when people say, oh, vSphere is simple, here's where this anecdote comes in. Uh, Duncan Epping was doing a presentation on about vSphere design. And it went into networking, to compute, into storage, you know, uh, what you need to check off and so on. And I turned around to Scott Lowe and I went, it's a bit complicated, this, isn't it? So like any technology, if you take just the surface area, it can look very simple. But as soon as you go and want to learn a bit more, you suddenly realize ah, there's more to this. In fact, you can keep on going. And, and if you look at vSphere, you can keep on going. It's such a deep product in terms of features and options that, you know, I've written books at 600 pages in length on, on vSphere. I've written probably more on ESX and Virtual Center than I ever will on vCloud Director, simply because it's such a dense product. So I think you have to be a bit careful of perceptions kind of dictating how you feel a, a product. Is it complicated or not? But you, you're certainly right. Networking is certainly one to get your head around most definitely and I did have, during my kind of journey, moments of, oh, so that's, that's what that means. You know, those moments of epiphany where yeah. a penny drops, you know. And those moments of epiphany don't come easily. They come with being involved with the product. And, oh, that's the consequence of me choosing that particular option in that way. You know, yeah. so. Net networking will do that to you anyway. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we've experienced that. Uh, but... The thing is, everything that you're not familiar with that provides you uh, a bunch of options is complicated. Mm. Regardless of what it is, uh, my car is complicated as hell because I don't understand a thing. But I know how to drive it, and that's fine. That, that's, I, I could probably write a 60-odd page uh, or a series of blog posts about my car, uh, and I would probably learn something while doing it, but... That, that's the thing. You, I mean, it's kind of. I, I haven't been working with vCloud Director at all, mm. anything. But there, there hasn't been any any local demand for it either, ah. which is also something that, in a way, worries me a bit. Well, that, that's I think a very interesting point. Is the reason there's been no interest on it because people find it too complicated, or is it the reason they're not interested is that they've yet to find a usage case which is compelling enough for for them to want to have it? Exactly, and I, I think that's the last last part of it because yeah, if you haven't found a use case, you wouldn't know if it's complicated or not because you haven't investigated it. Exactly. I mean, I, I sometimes said to people, um, sometimes people say to me, I meet people in the field who say, you know, oh, it's difficult to sell SRM, it's difficult to sell View, it's difficult to sell vCloud Director, and I go, yeah, it is. They are difficult to sell. Not because they're not good products, but because not every customer has a good usage case. 
Whereas if you look at server virtualization, there's not a single company that doesn't benefit from that. You know, so primary virtualization as provided by vSphere, that's, that's, that's always going to be a winner. Whereas a lot of the other technologies in the suite, the, the customer is going to have to look and have a usage case. And if they don't, and somebody tries to sell them something they don't need, then they're being missold something at the end of the day, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, I, and I think that's the the uh, the kind of the main problem in a way, if, if you want to call it that, is that I don't see many, especially in in Bergen, Norway. I, I haven't really talked to anyone who's uh, really interested in looking at vCloud Director yet, because they simply don't know why they should. Mm. I think the other thing is what, this, uh, what, these. The, I, I was going to say, I think what's interesting about the they haven't found a usage case is that it depends where they are on their journey, you know, that word that VMware really loves to use all the time, because people used to say the same thing about SRM to me, version 1 and version 4, they'd say, oh, we, we haven't got a usage case for this, or we don't think this product is mature enough yet. Um, what's interesting is, alongside VCOps, um, SRM is one of the fastest growing products. So I look at that and I think, well, you know, um, many products do need time to bed in and they mature over time and customers eventually come to have a usage case which they recognize. But uh, by no stretch of the imagination should any sales rep or any technical person try and create a usage case where, one, where none exists because there's far too much of that in our industry already where people have a product to sell and then they try and look for a usage case to use that product rather than having a problem and then looking for a product to suit that, to fix that problem. You know, cart before the horse, something that happens an awful lot in our industry if we're not careful. Also, Mike, let me ask you a quick question since you're involved in the cloud technology of VMware. Have you played with OpenStack at all? Now, um, one of the projects I've got, the answer, the quick answer to that is no, not yet. One of the projects I've got with um, the Cloud uh, Automation Center is to learn more about these uh, third-party virtualization stacks and third-party uh, cloud stacks, for want of a better word. Um, so I'm actually starting off with um, System Center and Hyper-V and how to integrate that with vCloud Automation Center. And I'm also going to do some blog posts on... Um, uh, multi-hypervisor manager, the MHM that was recently released as a kind of lead into those. But I guess my, my other agenda is it's become more apparent to me as my time has unraveled that you can't really be an advocate for any vendor's technology if you have absolutely no to what customers could choose as an alternative. So I'm, I'm starting off with Microsoft because let's face it, they're the biggest elephant in the room for VMware people. But once I'm, I'm done with Microsoft, uh, my intention is to you know, look at Amazon and look at OpenStack. I'd really like to look at OpenStack next, um, but I've yet to sort of work out the, the order of doing this. So the difficult thing I've got is I need to get more familiar with the VMware technologies, but I don't want to do that in a bubble because if I do it in a bubble, it all kind of, I'll end up with tunnel vision, if you like. All I can see is the VMware way of doing things. And I won't be able to see that in any perspective. So, um, which is kind of interesting to, weirdly, I'm now looking at more the comp uh, the competitors than I did perhaps when I, when I wasn't working at VMware because, you know, as a freelancer, I was just focused on the market leader. 
and that's VMware. So why look at anything else if you've got, you know, uh, only a certain amount of time? Um, but that's that's the direction I'm going going in. Um, Microsoft first, and probably OpenStack after it. I think. Yeah, here's the thing about OpenStack though. Just for a tip, I played with it quite a bit myself. Yeah, you might want to get a head start on it. You might have five thousand blog posts about it. <laughs> well, what I don't really understand about OpenStack is there are like uh, completely open source versions of OpenStack, but then there are kind of vendor backed and OEM backed uh, versions of of um, of OpenStack for you know. So I think Dell and HP and IBM all all offer a, a flavor of their OpenStack. So I don't know where I would start if I was going to look at OpenStack. Yeah, um, well, I would start. The first thing I would start is try the dev model. Yeah, it's 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 as easy to to deploy as as anything, I guess. That's interesting because a lot of the people who have like commercial versions of OpenStack, they kind of bang on about how easy and fast it is to deploy. But if the dev version is as easy to deploy, what are those people actually selling? Yeah, well, the dev version is the easiest version to deploy. The rest is you have to know Linux, you have to know it hard, or else you're not going to get it done, basically. What, not get it working at all or have a lot of bugs and errors? Just basically struggle with it and it, it, will, become, uh, it will become your Waterloo. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> is that is that a Eurovision reference you're trying to slip into this show? No, no, I like I like OpenStack. I really like it, but but just saying, a, Eurovision or or uh, actually the VMworld party in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't think about the ABBA song. I thought more about uh, about Napoleon Bonaparte, but <laughs> it's just the I, I, go ahead. Christian. I still can't forget that part. I, I I still can't forget that party. Uh, that I, I have nightmares of that still. Is, is this the party where there was an ABBA uh, soundalike? Yeah, yeah. The ABBA cover band and and five thousand men singing him at midnight. Or uh, dancing queen. That was yeah. even more damaging psychologically, I think. But, but funny enough, uh, one of our earliest podcasts together was named "A Man After Midnight." Yeah, and guess who the guest was? That was you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? I, I, I bring it up ever all the time. Yeah, but to get back on on, on to on to topic, um, yeah, I do want to look at these other uh, virtualization stroke cloud uh, platforms, but to try and break out of any VMware bubble that I could find myself in, because I think one of the fears uh, that I had of joining VMware would become I become so you know, in tune with the company that I wouldn't be able to think outside of what the company is doing. Um, but that hasn't actually been a difficulty. But uh, I think it would be more for my own kind of personal mental well-being to to be able to see what other vendors are doing. Um, not not least that feeds back into the company to say, well, you know, why aren't we doing this? We quite I quite like this particular feature. Or um, do we realise that this particular vendor has nothing to offer in this particular aspect of what we do? So I guess you could call it a little bit of competitive analysis in some degree, but I don't tend to bang the drum either way, but I'm more interested in how do we make this thing work, you know. So you so your main goal first is to catch up on all all the 
VMware native type of stuff. Yeah, that's right. I'm kind of using, you know, some of the technologies from, from VMware do allow you to connect to third parties. So vCloud Connector, sorry, vCloud Automation Center allow you to connect to Amazon, uh, Citrix, Citrix Zen Desktop, uh, vSphere, vCloud Director, and also Hyper-V. I'm, I'm taking it from that angle first because it's more of an easy on-ramp. Um, you know, how do I get a product from VMware speaking to all these other bits and pieces? Uh, I've done uh, three blog posts on the Cloud Automation Center so far, two about the setup and install, which is quite interesting. And then the, the third one, which was about how do I get it speaking to my vSphere kind of layer. The next couple are going to be about vCloud Director because I've got all that sort of split up in my environment and then I'm going to look at um, how do I integrate uh, System Center and, and Hyper-V into uh, vCloud Automation Center as well. Uh, I think also probably what I'll do is a bit of show and tell about um, you know uh, aspects of, of if you use vCloud Automation Center with vSphere you'll find you'll be able to do this but if you use vCloud Automation Center with Y vendor, you will find that the way that works is in this particular way. Uh, and try and peel back the kimono a little bit, as our American cousins like to say about which is the easiest one to to, to sort of manage. And try and American I think, cousins say peel back the kimono. They do. Well, they do I in Palo Alto. I've never heard that as an American. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've heard John Troyer and a couple of my American chums uh, call it that, but I um, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I've, maybe I've got it wrong. Too long, I don't know. But. How, how long have you been in in in, uh, in Switzerland? Four years. You know, it hasn't changed that much, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, I hope not. But one thing that I wanted to mention is if when you do begin the OpenStack stuff, I would be somewhat interested to collaborate with you if you would be willing yeah sure i mean maybe you could uh, hold my hand and guide me through the initial sort of get it up and running if it, if it sounds as difficult as it appears that would save me a lot of time indeed yeah because i've been i've been playing around with that for nearly a year at this point are you doing that in anger or just out of personal curiosity um <laughs> i'd say a bit of both but um from the from the anger perspective, I can't really speak about it on this podcast. Fair enough. Yeah, because <laughs> it does seem to be that the people who are really keen on OpenStack are your big service providers. Um, I think wasn't uh, Citrix a major backer of OpenStack for a while, and then uh, they were a off. major backer of CloudStack. Oh, sorry. Uh, There's yeah, so many well, stacks around, I get confused. Yeah, CloudStack's a little funny. It's uh, it's it's it seems a little more less mature than OpenStack does at the moment. And how does OpenStack feel to you? Does that does it feel like a mature technology? You could well, go in at way? this point. They came out with the version. They're coming out with the version Grizzly. Oh yes, this is the one that has some VMware enlightenment in it, doesn't uh, it? VMware plugins and as well EMC type uh, storage plugins. Like you can create cinders, like uh, storage blocks. From EMC storage and it's fully supported. And I guess the, the the VMware part of that is being able to use ESX VMware ESX as the the target hypervisor. Well, yeah, that was available since the beginning. Maybe not as well as now, but I mean, uh, before it was more of like a Zen kind of KVM thing. Yeah. 
but now with uh, with ESX, you still need to run vCenter in the background for your HA and DRS and blah, blah, blah. But, that's, uh, I mean, that sounds a lot the way vCloud Automation Center works. You know, all you do with vCloud Automation Center is put in some credentials, put in the name of your, your virtual center. Um, it can find the templates that are already in virtual center, and then you can start deploying from it. But you... You can't, I think you can actually manage ESX hosts directly with it, but then you're basically saying we don't need HA or DRS in a, in a virtualization platform, which is kind of unthinkable, really, in a production environment. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's more of if you want to run, if you want to use the key features, you still need, uh, still really need um, vCenter. Yeah, so I'm, that's the, the plan. I think I'll probably spend about um, six months on the Cloud Automation Center um, just to get that under my belt. And I also want to look at um, the, the network security side of things, but without vCloud Director. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the stuff I've done with uh, VCNS, the Edge Gateway, has all been through the um, vCloud Director UI. And I've not touched it natively through the vShield manager or through Virtual Center, which I think sometimes people forget that vCNS and Edge Gateway, you can use it without vCloud Director. And, you know, you know that's, that's probably as popular as using it with vCloud Director or with any of these tools. Yeah, so I feel, I feel like I should know about more, more about that natively as well. Yeah, included in the, in the licensing stuff as well now. So, of the CNS stuff at least. So Yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of lot of existing uh, vSphere customers who either don't know that or don't know where to start using uh, the stuff they actually have licensed now they, they, they didn't have available to them before. So that's probably a, a, a good thing to start um, enlightening people uh, about, to be honest, because I, I think there's a lot of stuff to, to, to pick up there and, and a lot of things that can be done that people aren't doing because they simply don't know. Yeah, and I think on top of that, uh, what's not widely known is when you look at other virtualization stacks, a lot of them just don't have anything like the Edge Gateway. Yeah. So although they, although they can do network overlay and network virtualization, they do that within the bubble of, of their own world. As soon as you want to pack it to go out to the outside world, they're like, oh, we'll speak to F5 or speak to Juniper or speak to some other third party to plug into us. They don't have anything native of their own. No, that's true. That, that, that's just something I'm, I'm really interested <laughs> in looking into as well. I've been looking into a lot of the, uh, the, V-Shield, the old vShield APIs uh, and that stuff, uh, which is kind of in the same uh, area of the li- as far as licensing goes, uh, it's available for a lot of people now, and they they aren't pretty much they they pretty much don't know it that they they can use uh, trend deep security for instance with their existing uh, licensing scheme. Well, it's funny you mention that because one of the projects I've got on in the background because I do I do my own work, but I also have time to do my my own stuff. Is I'm doing some work with the guys from Bitdefender. Um, I wrote a book with uh, Barry Coombs last year on um, on VMware View, as it was called back then, and one of the chapters was about vShield and Bitdefender, but they've got a brand new release of their technology um, called Gravity Zone, and it basically means that chapter needs to be rewritten from scratch because 
basically it's all all different. The the V shield side of things is more or less uh, the endpoint side of stuff has, has stayed the same, but the way they're leveraging it is different. So that might actually, it's, I've not thought of this before you mentioned it, that might be a useful jumping off point for um, learning more about VCNS on its own because yep. um, all that stuff with VShield endpoint and so on is, I don't touch VCloud Director to do any of that. It's no. all done It's all done with, with virtual center tools. And as you were saying, endpoint is now part of the vSphere SKU, um, but I imagine a lot of customers don't use it. Maybe they're put off by the licensing aspect you know, different vendors have different ways of licensing their their uh, their implementations that are purely virtual. But um, I don't really get involved in the licensing. I'm more interested in the technology and does it work and how does it work. Yeah, licensing as always is a pain, but uh, the technology is fine. So uh, that's the uh, that's kind of the normal mantra. Uh, screw the licensing. We're doing tech anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So with that in mind, thanks a lot, uh, Mike Laverick, for being on tonight. Uh, You're welcome. I this is the third time you've joined us here. I love you guys so much. <laughs> yeah, we're happy. We're always happy to have oh, you we on. We are, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's great. Even with the unofficial one we had at the uh, Tech Field Day virtualization so, yeah, thanks a lot for being on, and we appreciate your feedback, and I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future at some point. Yeah, have me back when I'm up to a 1,000 posts, hey? So, yeah, thanks a lot for uh, listening to VSoup number blah. Christian, you remember the VSoup number? Pick a number. I'm uh, not sure, actually. Uh, I, I, I have 2,000 milliseconds of latency right now, so... Oh, I have geez, no idea. That's terrible. <laughs> Hang on. Then it would be easier for me to type vsoup.net yeah. and see what our actual number is here. Okay, number 33. Thanks a lot for <laughs> listening to vsoup number 33. And uh, you can catch us as usual on Stitcher, iTunes, or vsoup.net. Thanks a lot for listening, guys.